0: Hello, this is Alistair Stewart.
1: And this is Brock Wilber.
0: And you're listening to Caring Into the Void, the podcast where we get together, tell each other about a weird or dark story we've heard, and then try and find the silver lining or flip it into something that, while
1: possibly not positive, will at least be productive. Hey, Brock, how you doing? Me, I'm just excited to have a new co-host here on the show. Uh, Everyone listening in, we uh, we had Jordan for two years, and Jordan has been off working on a book project that will undoubtedly be done by the time this comes out surely uh that we will finally cross that finish line uh and we've had uh, megan for the last year here uh and uh, megan got a huge promotion at work which means uh that she now lives at work for a while so uh we're going to do a couple of months here uh, with, a, with a guest that you may remember from September 9th of 2020. Jesus Christ, that's so long oh ago. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> In my
1: head, it was like, we had you on like six months ago. Like, you're you're fresh. You're with the show. She's like, no, it, it, it's nearly two years. Oh,
0: linear time has no meaning anymore. My God. Thank you so <laughs> much for asking me to, to do this, bro. I'm incredibly honored. I love this show to tiny, tiny pieces. And just, I, uh, you know, I've lost count of the amount of times I've listened to you and Jordan and you and Megan, and something has just kind of popped out and made me instantly feel better. And not in that kind of, oh, everything's fine now way, but more in that kind of, yeah, stuff's entirely on fire, have a protein bar, you good? All right, let's go, kind of way. And it just... Good. Compassionate pragmatism is very much what you folks do here, and I fucking love that shit. So I'm mean, I'm really excited to be a part of
1: it. It's nice to go for the pragmatic thing over like toxic positivity or we're all doomed. Uh, it's it's a nice lane. I, I it feels productive to get around. It's a productive way of complaining about things, and I enjoy that.
0: Uh, J- Jordan, if 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 you're listening, and I'm sure you are, that needs to be merchandise carrying into the void a productive way of complaining
1: <laughs> now that you're here it actually sounds much better in uh in british than it does in american but uh, would you would you remind the audience of your cv
0: yes of course um i am best known probably as the host of pseudopod which is a weekly horror fiction podcast which i have hosted for a frankly horrifying amount of time
1: uh, i believe this is my 15th year it is indeed your fifteenth year. Uh, yes, you've you've been there since the start of sound. <laughs> <laughs> there are wax cylinders of me going, "Hello, welcome to Pseudopod, podcast of the uncanny." And then you've got to switch over to the next the next two, like you've you've already run through the recording time. <laughs> Eight
0: thousand cylinders in the last line is always, and the calls were coming from inside the house. But that's that's my, that's kind of my my primary audio qualification, and I actually co own the company that produces Pseudopod and also Escape Pod and Podcastle, which do science fiction and fantasy, and Cast of Wonders that does YA, and now Catscast that does cat stories, with my partner, Marguerite Kenner.
1: I was unaware of the cat show. Oh. Hello, sir. Hello.
0: Oh, basically two years ago, Laura, one, one of our, our folks, came to us and went, I've got this idea for an April Fool's show. And the idea was to treat and basically to produce a fifth show, and to produce an episode of it, like there are 300 of it already in existence. And this is just the first one to drop into the feed. And uh, she really <laughs> liked it. And it went down really well. So we did it again the next year. And then about six months ago, Laura came to us and went, yeah, I'm bored. Can can we do Cats Catscast? Kind of forever. And we looked at it and realized there were a couple of ways that we could. So uh the first episode rolled out on the official Catcast day now, which is April Fool's Day, and it's going really well and she's got some amazing stuff lined up for that. Uh so that's kind of the podcast side of things. And since I last came on the show, I've done acting, Brock. I've done I've done voice acting. <laughs> and and it's 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 been kind of forcefully driven home to me that I have range. And that range is not posh or cockney. There's actually a little <laughs> bit of nuance to it. Um, I did a year on the Magnus Archives. I did season four of the Magnus Archives as Peter Lucas, who is regarded by many people, including everyone who created the show, as the season four villain. I agree to disagree. I have used the phrase <laughs> unsung hero more than once about Peter. Uh, and from that, I actually moved across into three other shows, which I'm in, are in various stages of completion now. I'm the narrator for The Secret of, of St. Kilda, which is a amazingly well-written uh, and fiercely talented cast and production team uh, show set on the tiny island of St Kilda off the Scottish coast, and I get to embrace my inner Benedict Cumberbatch BBC nature documentary voice for that, and also my inner Rod Serling, and I I, I love those two voices very much. <laughs> Earlier today, I recorded my final pickup lines for Rogue Maker, which is a one-season. Um, science fiction action thriller set on a uh, interplanetary cruise liner that crashes and then things get very very real indeed and i love my character on that he's called malachi tessera and malachi is the flight attendant and he's just nice he's just a good dude and after several years of playing people who like i say apparently the villain being able to transition from from being kind of very avuncular and eloquent and, ah, yes, well done, Martin, now I will kill you, to would you like some peanuts has actually been
1: really nice. Here's the thing, Martin's allergic to peanuts and only you know that. So that's <laughs> that's the unsung hero <laughs> in <knew>. you. <laughs> My esoteric plan approaches completion.
0: Ro- yeah, Rogue Maker's going to launch in about a month, and that's been really fun. And uh, I'm also part of a show which will arrive later this year called Super Suits which is a legal drama about a firm that deals with superhuman litigation cases. And that is the first time in my life I have ever been told to improvise an argument with my character's husband. And this is why uh, Marguerite, my partner, was basically pressed up against the wall of the errand cupboard within which I am recording now, uh, listening to me screaming about why there is a coffin in the front room and hearing Ben retort with, because I thought it completed the look. And it it is s- <laughs> so much fun. It's such a great show. It's really funny. It's really fun. Pinewood
1: really ties the whole room together. Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you, you see, the thing is, I actually have friends who have one. Okay. It was literally the, we've got a bit of disposable money all of a sudden. Yeah. You earn a lot of books. Yeah. Coffin, coffin. And that it actually kind of ties the room together. It's quite alarming. Um, but yeah, that's super suits will arrive at the end of the year, and because Marguerite, my partner, is is also an IP lawyer and an enormous dork like me, I'm delighted to say she's also in that as a terrifyingly perky defense attorney who periodically just pops up and goes, You think that was bad? You should see what's left of my guy. <laughs> It's it's going to be a really good time. So that's basically my, my kind of audio qualifications. And yeah, I talk a lot.
1: That is a, a good extrapolation. Like, even when the mic isn't on, I am just always in the zone. Uh, I can... <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's good. It's, it's nice to have friends that never let a lull occur. <laughs> do you have, for your first time on the show here, a story to share with us today? I am delighted to say I do. And for those of
0: you that know me... This is quite on brand. I I want to talk to you about the splendidly named Badeloid rotifers for my first show. Uh, Badeloid rotifers are microscopic animals and they were recently discovered in an Arctic permafrost where they had been for 24,000 years. And they woke up. Now, this is probably the moment where you and many of our listeners, like I, take half a step back and go, I have seen that movie. And in my case, Go, I have also seen the really quite criminally underrated 2011 prequel starring Mary Elizabeth Winston. So with that in place... Just a flawless film. A great film. Right? <laughs> you know, I mean, Kurt, Kurt Russell is part of a good three or four perfect movies, but I would argue that is the perfectest of all of them. <laughs> Rotifers are weird as shit. Basically, uh, research has shown that they could survive up to ten years when frozen up until this point. And presumably when this research went live rotifers that you know had survived more than 10 years frozen did the microscopic animal equivalent of hold my beer which i can only assume is hold my protozoa <laughs> basically researchers use radiocarbon dating to determine when these things uh, were recovered from the permafrost and actually when they went into it and radiocarbon dating is one of those things which is it's pretty solid i mean an awful lot of scientific da- dating methods as with a brief aside as they need to be, because science constantly evolves all the time. That's why we know things uh, get revised down pretty regularly. Uh, Radiocarbon dating is one of those things which, as I understand it, having done a little bit of reading around the subject, is basically like, yeah, this works. Cool. We're doing this now. So when these folks say this thing is 24,000 years old, it's 24,000 years old. In fact, the study was even published in the Journal of Current Biology. Now, the really alarming thing about all of this is that was these rotifers waking up after 24 centuries of nap, which God knows, I feel like I've needed more than once, is impressive. They're not alone. There are species of Antarctic moss that have been successfully regrown from a 1,000-year-old sample that had been covered by ice for about 400 years. I can't get out of bed if I go to sleep after 3 (laughs) a.m.
1: Well, pivot to Moss here. Like, if if you were to become more of a Moss, like, you could get the nap time in that you require. We've all seen Annihilation. Right?
0: Surely all all the leisure and relaxation solutions we need lead down terrifying fungal avenues, occasionally featuring Tessa Thompson turning (laughs) into plants. They're not alone, either. There's actually a living campion flower that was regenerated from seed tissue that had been preserved in 32,000-year-old permafrost as well. Now, brilliantly, this is where the Ice Age movies come in, because in one of those kind of offhand references, uh, it's pretty certain that this living campion flower seed had been stored by an arctic squirrel. (laughs) Now, firstly, I was previously unaware of the existence of arctic squirrels up to this point, and... I could only assume they have feet eight and a half feet inches wide, and you know are a small ball of meat inside triple sized fur. I desperately want to see one. And secondly, right. I find it weirdly vindicating, and I would hope the scientists do as well. That you have this thing which has successfully been regrown, and just to realise that at some point this has been in a squirrel's face, <laughs> uh, and that that has to be a little humbling. Surely, just that kind of we walk in walk in the footsteps of giants. And also a squirrel who was really hungry that one time you go little guy you go uh and of course all of this then leads to one of my favorite ridiculous creatures not tardigrades of course because nothing but respect for the water bears but they've they've had a lot of exposure i'm talking about old school tardigrades i'm talking about the microscopic death worms that came before them nematodes nematodes have been found in two places in northeastern siberia uh, in sediments that were more than 30,000 years old. They've been revived. If you've not seen a nematode, picture basically... Uh, you know how snakes are sometimes referred to as danger noodles? Picture a zero draft of a danger noodle. It, it It is, you know, a very curly, squiggly line with a face made of death. And thankfully,
1: they are very, 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 very small. I want to make a don't tread on me flag for the people in my state that uses something that the, the snake is, is microscopic, but still cut into pieces uh, to, to let them know about liberty. <laughs> don't tread on me, although you probably have. It's okay. I fit between the spaces in your shoes. You're really going to have to try harder.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, nematodes are actually one of those things which uh, are part of the, the stories I interacted with far too young and of which I am their fault in many ways there is an excellent uh, doctor who annual from you know 1900 <coughs> uh which had a story where you know alien technology has massively expanded nematodes so they are suddenly like three feet long and faces made of death and attacking people and the doctor base if i remember correctly and it's been a couple of decades since i read this the doctor basically wins by uh salting them so you know, it, it there are lots of like, gotcha. there, there are lots of kind of fish and chip shop jokes as he just dumps loads of salt on these things and they shrink back down. So nematodes are always one of those things which have occupied space in my mind and thankfully, not in 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 my body. Now, basically, you know, all these stories kind of all orbit for me around one fundamental thing, and it it's one of those. Concepts which kind of airport thriller writers get really excited about and have to sit down and take a couple of deep breaths. Which is sooner or later, someone is going to work, someone's going to find enough mammoth to go full on early 90s Michael Crichton. And when that happens, I just hope someone films it. Because that is the pinnacle for me of this type of story. That that, that this is the intersection of ridiculous pulpy nonsense. And actual science, and it kind of blows me away that this type of stuff happens, and it's proved to happen, even if it is these tiny, tiny, weird little creatures. So that that is my story for for this week.
1: No, I'm just stuck on the on the 1992 Crichton version of what this would have been in my grocery store, and me as a kid being like, whatever that is, that's the most important thing I'm ever gonna read. Do you, have a, do you have a carrying into the void to go
0: along with this one today? Uh, uh, I really do, yes. And it's this. You exist under impossible pressure. Light and heat and need and demand and lies and misinformation and anger and terror all pound at the cells of your being, demanding they make entry into the ravaged fort within which we all cower and we all cower alone. Listen closely. They are noise as much as impact. They are sound as much as fury. They make these noises. They frighten you in this way to cover their own terror. Listen to the spaces behind the sound. Listen to the spaces behind the fury. Understand that this intimidation, this pressure you feel, is at least partially illusory. Protect yourself. Remain still. And wait. You will outlast them all.
1: Yes! Yes. Ah. I feel I feel like we've just cracked a bottle of champagne <laughs> in the front of your ship. Welcome to the show. Thank you. that, that was it. That was Thank it. Thank you. Oh, uh, that felt really good. It feels as good to hear it as it is to say it out loud. Like, yeah, I I feel motivated. You must feel motivated writing these. They motivate. Us.
0: <laughs> they really do. You know, I, I I feel like the spirit of Jordan has has moved through me today and gone, yeah, it's cool.
1: There's a, a lot of different uh, spirits there. A lot of, you know how you have 18 wolves inside <laughs> of you? You'll know when the spirit of Jordan moves through you. <laughs> uh, so today I've got one I'm bringing that's uh, called the Reunion Tree. The The basic outline is that in 2012, scientists built the world's largest telescope, but didn't aim it at space. They aimed it at the at the Earth's hidden heart. And they found a colossal tree of superheated matter that could eventually cause an apocalyptic eruption so this is the story of the reunion tree okay uh it's uh, reunion is a french island uh, in the western indian ocean it is essentially a marshmallow hovering above the business end of a blowtorch <laughs> uh, it sits above one of the earth's mantle plumes uh a tower of superheated rock that ascends from the deep mantle and flambees the bases of tectonic plates uh It has two massive volcanoes, and they're the most hyperactive volcanoes on the planet. And essentially, like, 65 million years ago, it did a massive, massive lava flood under what is now India that sort of destroyed Asia. But within, like, a couple of years, that really got overshadowed by the asteroid that destroyed the dinosaurs. Like, it was like, look at, like, I have caused, like, Damage to like one-fifth of the world's uh, land mass, and then asteroid was pulled by beer. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> so we didn't fully understand. We sort of knew that there was something under the tectonic plates there. But then they took a look at the seafloor and, and sort of what was happening in and around this island, and it turns out that there is just this gigantic sump pump under there of superheated liquid magma, and they call it a tree because it basically extends in all directions and sort of uh, veins and fingers. It it looks like the branches of a tree and it it expands a good deal all of the time. So it kind of has reach across like a quarter of the planet right now. Like it's, it's, it's really working on being like, I look, I I really got upstaged last time. (laughs) I would love to get another crack at this it creates these sort of like on the surface, what seem to be just giant craters. And you're like, that's not super what I think of as a volcano. Mm-hmm. But then when you find the places where it bursts through, it sort of looks like a portal from portal. Like it's a big blue expanse uh, surrounded by yellow, orange vibrating stuff. Like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense that the it's, it's basically creating terrifying scar tissue where it's like marking spots to be like, just letting you know, gonna be right back. Gonna be, <laughs> on my time frame, could be several thousand years, but also could be tomorrow. Stay on your toes. Don't buy a house here. Uh, so uh, there's there's a lot of really incredible work uh, done on this. But basically, yeah, the the idea exists that the entirety of the Indian Ocean and uh, and uh, parts of Africa. You know, they they could not be there at some point, and we don't really have a plan for stopping that. We don't uh, have our journey to the center of the Earth team uh, put together. Uh, so it's, it's just one of those that it's just another little thing to put in your little Hellraiser box of fears for the future that no one's trying to solve the problem either, really. <laughs> it's, it's kind of fun. And when they said that they turned the telescope into the earth and found a tree i was like the tree of life what's going on? what tree is is there a tree in the center of the earth and they're like no. we we name things here in science we call things what they aren't all the time it's to make it really accessible to people when i say tree i mean uh a a cobweb of murder lava <laughs> under your feet right now like that that's what tree means to me and you're like the nomenclature system with which you operate God bless you, science. Uh, So here's my carrying into the void on this one. They think they have your number. You fit the patterns they've come to understand, your behavior, your mood, your lack of any of the red flags that they've come to fear. They think they have your number and that there's nothing to fear from you. And that's, once again, their mistake. Their collapsing flaw was not taking the time to look beneath the surface to see just how far your power reaches and have, with each day, flexed a little further. You know what you might do? They certainly don't. And the great disappointment is that they have no idea that they could be as mighty, as terrifying in scope and scale as you, but you only know this about yourself because you were willing to turn the most powerful telescope inward, examining yourself, what you are and aren't. They'll never have the courage to do that. That's why they sit around all day watching you and trying to typecast you into the patterns that they understand. But only you get you, and that's why they'll get what they have coming. God, that's beautiful. Good job. It's fun. Saturdays are fun. <laughs> also, that that
0: that reminds me of one of those perfect tweets. Um, John Rogers, the uh, co-creator of *Leverage* and also the writer of *The Core*, which is one of my favorite terrible science movies.
1: I was trying to think of the name of it. All, I could think of every actor in it, and I went with uh, Journey to the Center of the Yes the core we don't have our core team together
0: <laughs> there, there was some geoscience story that came up about six months ago and he retweeted this with it's stuff like this which means inside a decade I'm going to be strapped into some horrifying drilling contraption and shortly before the door closes I will finally catch the eye of a four star general and go why and he'll just shrug and go because you're you're the guy you're, you're you're the core guy you know this stuff
1: I actually kind of like the version of this where I imagine that like it wasn't because you were the core guy. It's just that they'll have to send all of us down there. <laughs> like the idea that, that like every man, woman and child just needs to be burrowing to the center of the earth. And that that's actually what causes the planet to explode. They're Like, why did everyone drill at the exact same time? Like the, that, that was a bigger problem. Like <laughs>
0: <laughs> we, we maybe should have workshopped this more.
1: Yeah. Oh, well fun, fun. Uh, do you have uh, any sort of self-care into the void this week? Yes, I do. Um, I would, I would,
0: I would like to introduce our listeners to the majesty of what my friend Specky refers to as "drink, more, drink, drink." Um, I get dehydrated quite badly sometimes, to the point where it makes me ill. Um, and this is because I was raised in the UK in the 1980s, probably started on coffee a little early and for a long time, didn't figure out that whole tea is a diuretic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Marguerite firmly believes that if this nation ever actually got itself properly hydrated, a whole lot of stuff would change for the better overnight. And I was talking to, to my friend Specky about this a little while ago and, and they said, yeah, I, I get the same thing. I I, I I actually have drink more drink drink. And I, of course, leaned closer and went, go on. And Drink More Drink Drink is is basically rehydration salts with vitamins folded into it. And it comes in a wide variety of delightful flavors, almost all of which look look and taste like they have met the fruits they are named after at a party and maybe even follow them on Twitter. Uh, And it works. It really works. And in the space of the last kind of five, six months, I've gone from... Drinking about a liter of water a day and losing a day once every six weeks when I just feel like death to uh, drinking three liters of water a day in a wide variety of entertaining new colors and not actually feeling like death very much at all. So, yeah, rehydration. It's what's for
1: dinner. (laughs) Uh, So I'm I'm uh, for mine here. I'm going to send you a link in chat. I stumbled across this a long time ago. I was going to make it uh, a, a carrying into the void story, but like, I, I think it works better <laughs> as self-care. Uh, anyway, um, wolves, it turns out, sometimes sing just to make music, kind of like people do. Uh, it's called social glue. Uh, a sure. spreading of good feeling, like people singing around a campfire, feeling closer to one another. And it's the same idea. Uh, through song, Wolves reaffirm social bonds to one another, and I, uh, I've I've got a new coworker, and uh, she sings out loud a lot randomly, like it is shower singing, and it has made me feel better, even when I don't know the songs, and will often make fun of her, but then I've started doing more of the same, and uh, communal singing. Uh, it turns out it's it's sort of fun, so I'm gonna send this your way. It's a one minute clip. Uh, in, enjoy the sound of this, and and audience at home, enjoy enjoy what this is. <laughs>
0: This is awesome.
1: Feel connected to them too, like that—that is just a, a an Earth thing right there. Like I'm, I'm, I am with, I'm with those two. I, the background singer there, oh, he knew exactly how to hit the harmonies. Oh, Good on him.
0: Hit <laughs> everything he was he was aiming for. I I, I love it.
1: Oh, social flute <laughs> new favorite thing. Social flue. Uh, do you have a sharing into the void? Something you want to share with people this week? uh Pop culture or yeah. Worldly?
0: um yeah i i I do um one of my all time favorite comics is produced by uh, a tiny company in the u k which is I think about five people wide called big Punch Studios and uh, it's called afterlife Inc and it's the best way I can describe it is it is basically classic British movie a Matter of Life and death with added guitars and punk rock and occasional heists. It is about the the group of well-meaning, not entirely human assholes who run the afterlife. All of the afterlife, because it's all in one place. And you have this combination of this ongoing plot as they are plotted against by the celestial powers that be, and all these little kind of one-off stories. And it is huge and ridiculous and funny and heartbreaking. There is a story about, if I remember correctly... Um, a famous actor who played Sherlock Holmes getting to work with Sir Arthur Conan Doyle—that just <laughs> wrecked me. It is so well done oh and so well handled. And the the comic is ten years old, and they are about to launch—I uh, think late next month—they're crowdfunding um, or launching a crowdfunding campaign. Pardon me for two hardback collections of everything they've done so far. Um, if you want to wait for that you should because it will be gorgeous alternatively uh softbacks of all the books are out now and all their other projects which are also really really good fun and uh, i love their work to tiny pieces so yeah big punch studios and afterlife ink for me
1: you know i i figured it out a number of years ago but uh, anything that deals with the bureaucracy of hell always always really gets my attention uh but I realized it when I saw the direct—I'd I'd always enjoyed it and never put a finger on it until I saw the uh, 2018 direct-to-DVD uh, Hellraiser sequel subtitled Judgment. Because the first 12 minutes of that or so are just sort of, like, showing the, the bureaucracy of a Hellraiser hell, which is—there's the, clearly, like, a lot of paperwork, but you have to pull the papers out from inside of bodies and stuff. It was like Beetlejuice's afterlife, but, like, with more uh, gore, but still the same amount of, like, office work. And then, like, immediately the film stops being that and just starts being, like, a boring detective story. Uh, So, like, the first 12 minutes of that, I was like, wow, that was my favorite short film of the year. turns out I like bureaucracy (laughs) in hell. Like, I should have put my finger down on that when I was reading Douglas Adams in fourth grade. But, like, here we are 20-plus years later that that (laughs) – I got there. I got there. So you've sold me on that one. On uh, my side of things – uh, I have to recommend uh, that you hunt down uh, the new stand-up comedy special from Gerard Carmichael called Rothaniel. It is a show in which a famous American comedian uh, and all-around really cool guy comes out on stage about halfway through. Wow. Uh, because he... Uh, the, the show is titled Rothaniel because he's never been honest with anyone about what his actual first name is because it's too embarrassing because it's a just a mashup of two of his family members' names. That's how we get Rothaniel. Uh, so he sort of explores, the, it, it's it's a whole show about honesty and he is painfully over-honest about everything from his family and from himself. And that's why he's like about halfway through, like, well, I, I, I can't be honest about all these things and also keep one gigantic secret that I've kept my entire life. And so um, what I expected to be sort of uh, funny, prepared section of that show, it's actually just about 30 minutes of him dealing with it on stage. And what he deals with uh, very darkly and very joyously and often with a lot of audience interaction that they just started shouting things that are supportive, which is just heartbreaking to watch the guy process. But it, it is very much about uh finding ways to accept who you are just as the entire show is about finding the ways to accept truth that you like would not share with others or that you don't want to accept in yourself but, but it is i i think most importantly for this audience and and for anyone that's listening to this and certainly for me uh there's a gigantic chunk of that that becomes about how do you accept yourself but more importantly How do you accept the people that will never accept you or will only accept you halfway? What do you do with the people's hearts and minds that you want to believe you can change but probably can't or they've just sort of shut this down and they don't want to think about? It It is a lot about acceptance across the board, and I I was surprised to walk away last night um, just sort of sunk into my couch thinking about the people that I'm like, do I have to make my peace with the fact that they – they will never be the person that i wish they would be or to see the things in me that i wanted it's um it's a it's a delightful existential crisis which you are visibly calling it a comedy special uh it feels strange he is a comedian and it is a special uh, it's also directed by Bo burnham so like yeah if you're interested in that sort of emotional navel gazing like there's a lot of that but um yeah, it's uh, it's it, it left me like I started taking notes at one point in it just about how he was feeling and the, the people that I the ways that I needed to be better about some similar things like it became like a, a homework uh, that... class for me. So like still working my way through that one, but like the highest recommendation, if you have it in you to take on something that that is that emotionally complex, I, I know it is. Uh, difficult uh, dark waters there, but um, I think everyone can find something I, in that. <laughs> firstly,
0: that sounds fantastic. I love the sound of that. And secondly, anything, like you say, we're about halfway through, you're like, I should be writing stuff down. <laughs> I, because of the nature of, of what you and I both do and because of the nature of what creatives all do, the thing which I don't think any of us ever talk about enough is we are eternal students of our craft. And I my training is in theatrical magic in some ways. I was right. I was a teenage I was a teenage stage magician. And that has gifted me a tremendous appreciation of process in some ways. And the amount of or just unbelievably terrible movies I've sat through and gone, yeah, that was awful, but you actually executed that really nicely. And being able to use that as a foundation is great. But as you say, works which kind of stand two or three levels up from that and go, now I'm going to ask you hard questions, and you get to find the answers yourself. Those <laughs> are precious jewels and should be treasured in all
1: ways. Well, this this always comes at the end of a week where uh, both uh, Dave Chappelle and Louis C.K. were in the running for Best Comedy Album of the Year at the Grammys, and Louis C.K. won for, uh, for his special that is titled Sincerely and uh, is a follow-up to his special I'm Sorry, And both seem to project the idea that that is going to be a person attempting to do growth, and it is very much not, and he won a Grammy for it, so cancel culture uh, is, once again, not a real thing. Uh, So to see the exact inverse opposite of that in Rathaniel, where like actually that is what it looks like when a person deals with the honesty of their life and their choices and the people around them. Was like, okay, yeah, there's, there's one of these that should have been one, and one of them that should have been buried uh, in the uh, in the deep ditches with the E.T. Atari cartridges. So. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I, is that is that our show? Did we did we finish an episode?
0: I think we finished an episode, Broke.
1: I'm very happy with that one. Um, Me too. Okay, I I'm Brock Wilber. I'm at Brock Wilbur on all social media stuff, and uh, my. Uh, uh, local journalism publication is the pitchkc.com or uh yeah that's that's where I am out in the world. Uh, my wife is at Viv Kane. Uh there's an underscore there between the Viv and the Kane. Um don't bother her, but feel free to tell her she's nice and good. Uh that's me. Uh where can people find you?
0: Uh I am on Twitter at Alistair Stewart. Uh that's probably the best place to follow me so we can all survive on the hell site together um and uh my partner marguerite kenner is uh also on twitter at legal valkyrie and is one of those people who just makes your life better on aggregate by being in your social media feeds i'm pretty good too <laughs> but on but you know and this this is one of those instances where i'm quite happily the, the hype man standing off to one side
1: i i would always rather be that as well like this is great <laughs> okay uh well why don't you take us out then Thank you so much for listening,
0: everybody. And remember, keep your hearts dark and true and your teeth sharp and many. And we will see you next time in the void.
1: Bye, 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 bye. <laughs>